That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody. Great to have you with us on the Great America Show. We're all about the American way, and here we go. We're in it now. The political season is year-round, and now it stays hot in the modern era of partisan politics. There are lulls from time to time and amazing, sometimes lofty and highly elevating occurrences and even lows that roll in on occasion. And the experiential norm seems to be the unexpected and always percolating just beneath the surface, just over the horizon, down the road and up the creek, over yonder, down the rabbit hole. There's always an event, an incident, an element, that special moment when the mask comes off, the curtain rises and the dawn breaks. And there, lo and behold, and don't hold back, is an awakening. A consciousness that arrives like a bolt of lightning and a crack of thunder, sharp, bright, instant, and joyous. And that time has arrived, my fellow Americans, the time for truth, truth all across our great country. So here's the truth, just to start the party. The 2020 election was stolen. Let's say that again together now. The 2020 election was stolen. Doesn't that feel better? One more time, the 2020 election was stolen. Marxist leftist Dems and the deep state, so-called, aligned themselves with the titans of big tech and social media. You know, Google, Twitter, Facebook, you know, American oligarchs like Eric Schmidt, Larry Page, Jack Dorsey, and Mark Zuckerberg, and the rest in Silicon Valley who don't have enough billions to warrant naming them at times like this. Apologies to all you in the Valley who don't really count. Yes, I'm talking to you. But there's more. The orchestrated theft of the 2020 election required the genuflection of all those corporate news media outlets and their minions, including the Washington Post and New York Times, Discovery's CNN and Comcast MSNBC, of course, Vanity Fair and The Atlantic, Disney's ABC News and the rest all comfortable with the lies about Russian disinformation that most of them's peddled for five years from the moment that Donald Trump announced he was running for president in 2015. And guess who authored the original sin against Donald Trump and the rest of us against America? None other than his political opponent in the 2016 race for president, one Hillary Rodham Clinton. Who were her sponsors, fellow cabalists and conspirators? President Obama's intelligence chiefs, that's who. Top officials of the Justice Department, State Department, the Secret Service. The Marxist leftist Dems inhabit all of government, but those agencies and departments, they make up the top tier of leadership in the effort to overthrow the president. Many of them are under investigation now for originating the plot to overthrow, to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. And in the fall of 2020, that conspiracy grew desperate. 
afraid the incriminating content of Hunter Biden's laptop just might be made public. They prepared the battleground for the public information war ahead. President Obama's FBI Director Christopher Wray went to Capitol Hill in September and launched the Russian disinformation lie to give corporate media, big tech, cover to stop the reporting on the laptop. The steal was on. Joining us now is the New York Post's Miranda Devine. She's the best political columnist, in my opinion, working today and author of the bestseller, Laptop from Hell. And she has covered this story from the outset. The role of the Hunter Biden and his laptop uh, is playing out in nearly every scandal now. Uh, it's good to have you with us, especially in these uh, interesting times of ours. Thanks, Lou. Yes, interesting times, the ancient Chinese curse. Uh, uh, we certainly do live in interesting times, but they're pretty perilous, too. Uh, they're perilous. And uh, John Paul McIsaac said point blank that if if the the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop had been released to the public when they should have been, that is, with the first uh, the first effort to give it over to the uh, FBI, that he believes that Trump would have been cleared automatically uh, in his first impeachment. Your reaction? Well, look, I, I think he could be right. Um, it, it seems that the FBI just sat on a lot of exculpatory information that was on the laptop about Burisma and Ukraine and uh, all these sort of machinations behind the scenes that led to Joe Biden demanding that Victor Shokin, the prosecutor, be fired uh, just as he was uh, investigating and seizing and putting out a warrant for the arrest of the uh, owner of Burisma seizing his property, um, who was Hunter Biden's paymaster. He was paying him a million dollars a year to sit on the board of Burisma and uh, kind of um, uh, try and resuscitate his reputation as a corrupt oligarch who'd been the, the energy minister of the previous Russia-aligned government. Now, as we go through all of this, uh, as we, as you, you've lived this laptop uh, uh, since uh, certainly October of uh, uh, 2020. Yeah. It is, it is clear, straightforward evidence of corruption, uh, perfidy of all kinds, uh, and criminal activities, uh, and they, all of it, it extends to national security. Is one uh, example. Uh, uh, McIsaac said that clearly within the contents of that lop laptop uh, were uh, indications and evidence that Hunter Biden was trying to move into Ukraine with quote unquote bio research or bio labs, end quote, uh, activities and uh, uh, trying to, to get those established. Uh, it, you know, this is really troubling stuff. It's all it would by audit, you know, by any account, it would have all been in the clear uh, there for any secret uh, service or intelligence agency uh, to pick up. Uh, th this is just really stunning stuff. And the FBI was clearly under orders not to touch it. Uh, the, the corruption established in this country, again, outweighs everything that we thought was going on 
whether it was in Ukraine or whether it was in China, this country's government was the most corrupt of all. Yes, it certainly rivaled it. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden had been running this influence peddling scheme since his earliest days in Delaware, and he just internationalized it when he became vice president and basically compromised himself in the eyes of uh, our most potent adversaries, um, being China and Russia and, of course, Ukraine as well. Uh, and he, he still, uh, the White House is sort of trying to ring fence him from the problems that Hunter Biden is facing in that grand jury in Delaware. I mean, it's pretty clear that that grand jury is uh, getting very close to figuring out what went on uh, with the Biden family's uh, overseas very lucrative influence peddling scheme and all those millions of dollars that came into their bank accounts from China and Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and so on. And we know that uh, they are starting to track that money to Joe Biden himself because uh, we know witnesses uh, before the grand jury have been asked, who is the big guy? And the big guy, of course, is Joe Biden, as Tony Bobolinsky told us, who was one of Hunter's business partners. And there are also lots of references in the laptop to the big guy being Joe Biden. Uh, and, you know, if they're asking those questions and if they've subpoenaed, as we know they have, uh, Hunter and Jim Biden, that's Joe Biden's younger brother, Hunter's uncle, uh, has, it, the uh, the investigators in Delaware have subpoenaed their bank records um, and those of their other business partners. Now, if they've done that, they will uh, get to the bottom of what we had a glimpse of on the laptop, which was that um, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden had mingled their finances. They had shared bank accounts, shared debit cards, Hunter was paying for uh, his father's bills. Um, some of those bills we can see, like a, a monthly AT&T bill for a couple of hundred dollars um, and, you know, renovations and upkeep on uh, one of uh, Joe Biden's Delaware mansions. And uh, so that's the tip of the iceberg. It seems that um, from what Hunter Biden has said, that, you know, he said in one email or one text message to a family member that, um, you know, he was paying half his salary to his father. In another, he complains bitterly that he's not getting um, enough respect from the family because he's gone and supported them for the past 30 years. Um, and we know that, you know, Hunter was tipped into these jobs at inflated salaries from the very beginning with his father's sponsors in Delaware and his his father's, uh, you know, donors. So um, this was a, a pretty crude family-based influence peddling scheme, but it, boy, was it lucrative. It is lucrative. And the media is coming to terms with something. The first numbers uh, I saw that uh, – that Hunter was involved in was uh, something like $800,000 a year uh, in Burisma. Then the media got a hold of a little more information that was raised then into the millions and then 4 million was an estimate. And then with Peter Schweitzer's reporting 5 million. And then with Peter Schweitzer's book uh, on the, on the Bidens uh, it, it went to $30 million. Hunter's just, borrowed a million dollars to pay back his tax um, 
a tax bill to try and avoid right. criminal charges for tax evasion um, with this grand jury. Um, and he's borrowed that from a, a kind benefactor. Um, he, he doesn't have access to money. We know that he does still, well, his lawyer says he's sold that 10% stake in the Chinese private equity firm BHR. Um, and uh, so I guess we take his word for it, but I don't see any evidence of uh, his having sold it on the Chinese register right. or the, uh, uh, you know, his company, Escanadale, is still listed as 10% owner. Um, but uh, maybe they're just very slow at updating their their websites. That could be the case. But um, even so, BHR is, uh, you know, potentially could be worth tens of millions of dollars, his stake, but I I think possibly not. And I'm told it wasn't a very good investment. Um, The the most valuable investment they made was in this uh, Face Plus Plus, which is a facial recognition software system uh, that that the Chinese use to surveil the the Uyghurs. Um, So that could be worth a lot. But a lot of the other things they invested in were duds or they sold out of, uh, you know, like the Chinese version of Uber um, too soon. Uh, So I'm not sure. He, you know, might make a couple of million out of that. Um, And the rest of it, I mean, he, he, got, uh, you know, a million dollars a year from Burisma, say $4 million. We've seen there was $6 million, another $5 million, another. But he had to share that with his family members, with Jim Biden (laughs) and, you know, Joe Biden. And uh, he was paying $27,000 a month in alimony. And he had this raging crack habit and a very expensive lifestyle. I mean, he would fly, you know, fly always business class. He'd be jetting backwards and forwards. He would, um, he, he, he would go on these long, month-long crack benders, uh, you know, uh, where he'd have prostitutes and drug addicts and, and drug dealers um, traipsing through his hotel room, stealing everything inside, including his laptops and his phones and his wallet. So he he wasted money like you wouldn't believe. And uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, he had, say, $15 million that we can actually trace um, that that he just wasted and spent. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he really is broke. I mean, there is some talk of over, an overseas bank account um, that the Biden family may have access to. So... Um, that would be the sort of thing that that you would expect the investigators to be able to follow, and you know uh, it looks as if that that uh, Delaware investigation is coming to a point where it will be able to bring down indictments against Hunter Biden. Yeah, and and McIsaac also said, and and I I am just amused by the way in which the media gets a little more comfortable with the number. And the next number is even higher than another mm. number, uh, and 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 the way in which they still ignore the story is I, I have to laugh at it because once you you know cross over into the absurd, there's nothing to do but laugh. In this country, our corporate media is part of the cabal, the cadre uh, of the establishment, uh, and, and there is no way in in the world that most of us will ever get a straight story uh, from this corporate media until there is a significant washing through of the talent that is uh, uh, leading the editorial uh, enterprises uh, in this country. I want to get your sense of the, uh, the American national corporate outlets and 
what you think of their current condition and what it likely will lead to from here? Well, I look, it's disastrous. You just have, um, you know, the most uh, prestigious, well-known brands in journalism in America have become mouthpieces for the Democratic Party. And uh, in fact, worse than that, they are um, part of the apparatus that is pushing the Democratic Party to the left. Because if you're a politician and you don't sign up to all the crazy, you know, critical race theory and, uh, you know, rainbow gender ideology stuff, um, you will be, uh, you know, at best ignored, uh, probably vilified in the pages of the New York Times, Washington Post on CNN. Uh, And if you sign up to it and you're an advocate for it, they will just lavish you with wonderful praise and you'll get, you know, flattering photos in the magazines and uh, you you will be a hero. And unfortunately, the public still, there's a vestige of trust and belief in these institutions, these formerly great institutions that have been hollowed out and hijacked. And uh, there was a I just was looking at uh, something that Elon Musk put up, a chart of uh, trust of uh, the public in um, various media outlets. And uh, for Democrats, PBS and CNN are their most trusted outlet. I mean, two of the most dishonest, lying outfits that you have in the country um, that, that whitewash everything that would be negative about the Democrats. And, um, you know, we're, we're on the Trump derangement train uh, for his entire, Donald Trump's entire presidency. So that's pretty disturbing. And who did that poll, Miranda? I'm not sure. Elon Musk tweeted it, uh, right. and, and he'd sort of shaved off any, um, my, any identifying marks on it. My guess is one of the corporate outlets uh, paying uh, the pollster's contract. Uh, Probably. To, and the, to, the, because the, it is a, it's a closed feedback loop now. Totally. Uh, that corporate the, money circles through media, the media then uh, to the consumer uh, slash voter, uh, and then uh, back into the coffers of corporate America. Uh, it's a it's a vicious uh, cycle, if you will, uh, rather than a virtuous uh, <laughs> uh, uh, one of any kind. Yeah. It, it, and it's it's here to stay for a while, I believe, because we don't have anyone, in my judgment, with with Donald Trump's courage. Uh, if he does not run for president of the United States, it's going to be uh, a, a dramatic and suspenseful time uh, existentially for America, I believe. Yes, but, you know, even with Donald Trump as president, that that doesn't affect uh, how this corrupted media uh, class behaves. Um, uh, but there is a little bit of good news on the horizon, I think. I mean, CNN uh, has now been um, bought by um you know, John Malone, major shareholder, and uh, he's discovery. Been t- yeah, and been and, and discovery exactly. And um, you know, John Malone has been talking about trying to get the, the this cable channel that used to be all news, twenty four seven news, respected uh, for doing that, um, getting it back to its roots and and being yeah. fair and impartial instead of just a just a 24-7 propaganda sheet for the Democrats. Um, So that's good news there. That will make a difference. Um, And I think, you know, if you could could grab hold of the New York Times and just you don't have to make it conservative, you know, it can still be a little left just if it were honest and not pumping out uh, very destructive cultural propaganda like the 1619 Project uh, and all their 
their vile race baiting um, that's caused so much damage in this country because the New York Times sets the agenda for the rest of the media. I mean, I hate to say it, I hate to admit it, but that is the way it is. People look at that as being a, a bastion of honest journalism, all the news that's fit to print. It hasn't been that for a very long time. Uh, if it ever was, I mean, if you remember Walter Durante um, won a Pulitzer Prize uh, for being a Stalin apologist, right. and, and and the New York in Times never handed that back. In the 1930s. And, yeah. uh, and the result is <laughs> the old gray lady ain't what she used to be, uh, to, to put it kindly. It's it's to me it's it's intriguing that the the national corporate media outlets align themselves steadfastly to the the political establishment uh, and to the deep state that is the permanent bureaucracy mm. and, and what we witnessed over the course of Donald Trump's presidency in fact his candidacy through his presidency and then beyond a persecution that is unprecedented in the annals of American history. And we still have people who say, well, what do you mean that the FBI lied, that the <laughs> FBI didn't act? There are people, and I run into, I'm serious about this, intelligent, knowledgeable people who do not understand the link between Hunter Biden and, and the first uh, impeachment of the president of the United States. They don't understand the role of the cover-up by the entire uh, big tech social media uh, vector, it's beyond a sector, uh, that just brought down the curtain, uh, is uh, John Paul McIsaac put it, on October 14th when the New York Post breaks the story, all of a sudden, uh, New York Post is not a reputable news source. And, and I mean, when they, you know it better than I do, when that curtain came down, it was darkness for the entire nation. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, as we know, there are polls showing that if Biden voters had known uh, about this scandal, that, um, you know, some, somewhere between 10 and 17 percent, depending which poll you look at, would have changed their vote. And that would have been enough potentially to change the outcome of the election, um, mm -hmm. which is one of many ways in which uh, the 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 media and the establishment worked to rig the election results a hundred different ways. And, uh, you know, they a few thousand votes here, a few thousand votes there. It all adds up to, you know, Joe Biden. We now lumbered with Joe Biden and we can thank uh, a, a very dishonest media that spent almost the entire Trump presidency running lies about him, mm -hmm. uh, deliberately trying to destabilise him, uh, to cripple his presidency, um, to, you know, take without any cynicism or scepticism or, or applying the most basic journalistic filter on the, um, the complete garbage that was being fed to them by anonymous, uh, you know, sources, people like, uh, you know, peddling the steel dossier. And, uh, and you know, you still have... Democrats like Adam Schiff, who I, I can't believe that guy who has been at the centre of every vile scandal uh, from, you know, the Russia collusion hoax to claiming that the laptop was Russian disinformation. He was right out the front doing that. Um, he's done more to peddle this false narrative of Russian disinformation than any other Democrat. Maybe, you know, Nancy Pelosi is close behind. And I just hope 
that after the midterm elections, when the uh, Republicans get back control of the House and uh, probably the Senate, um, that Adam Schiff is brought to account for his lies. Yeah, when you say brought to account, what do you think uh, reason? What what do you think reasonably that would look like? Bringing Adam Schiff, a lying uh, little Schiff, if ever there was one. Uh, and by the way, I, I still find it amazing that a lot of people are reluctant to call him a liar. A uh, liar should be a a, a billboard uh, around his home. Uh, it, it should be uh, you know on a chain around his neck. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, the word liar is the kindest thing that can be said about about him. Why do you believe the media is so reluctant to call him what he has been throughout? Well, he's pretty clever, um, and he's he's his lies have suited the narrative that the media wants to push. So, you know, for instance, um, during the impeachment of Donald Trump, the first impeachment over Ukraine, and that phone call with Zelensky, Mm -hmm. um, Adam Schiff was uh, talking to the so-called whistleblower and refused to, you know, this guy, Eric Shiramella, who's, uh, you know, a State Department guy who's been involved. You know, um, we can't say that name. CIA analyst. We're not allowed to say (laughs) that name. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, everybody in the media was being told, you can't say the name and I'll be damned. They didn't. And for what reason? Because Someone in corporate media uh, was lining up, doing exactly what the hell they were told. And Eric, uh, my good buddy, uh, was sitting there playing every kind of game from Sunday to uh, impugn a sitting president uh, Mm -hmm. at the orders of his betters, which is, of course, not really very specific because just about everybody is better uh, than uh, a coward like him. Mm. Well, I mean, Adam Schiff uh, used. Uh, that sort of secrecy and that pretense at, at covering up for a whistleblower to um, to to basically engineer President Trump's impeachment based on uh, complete completely bogus information from partisan people who had been involved with a lot of shady stuff in Ukraine uh, that was happening with the State Department. And, you know, there were people in the State Department, which this is again on the laptop, um, people like George Kent, um, and right. another guy called Amos Hochstein, who were, you know, mid-level State Department people involved in Ukraine and energy policy, who were disturbed about Hunter Biden's involvement with this corrupt energy company, Burisma, at a time, a very fragile time for Ukraine after the Maiden Revolution, when it was supposed to be rebuilding and with billions of dollars of IMF money, a lot of which went missing, uh, and also billions of American money in, in aid. And and, uh, you know, Joe Biden was the point man for Obama in Ukraine. He would fly in regularly and give these thundering speeches uh, about corruption and you've got to get rid of corruption. It's a cancer. While his own son is being paid $83,000 a month by the former energy minister, Zlachevsky, who made his billions um, from uh, getting these free oil leases and gas leases in the Donbass. And that was what Burisma was exploiting. And that was why they had all that money to pay Hunter. And Zlachevsky was under investigation 
uh, with, you know, Interpol around the world. He'd had millions of dollars frozen in a London bank account. He had the Ukrainian, the new Ukrainian government and a clean skin prosecutor in Shokin who'd been brought out of retirement by the President Poroshenko, who was taking the Americans at their word that they wanted to stamp out corruption. So he brought this clean skin uh, to start investigating corrupt people. And the most corrupt uh, outfit that he found was Burisma. And he started rounding up uh, all the assets and, and investigating Burisma. And of course, that did not suit Joe Biden because his own son was being paid by Burisma. So, uh, you know, Joe Biden boasted about having insisted that uh, that, that prosecutor Shokin be fired and that he boasted that he withheld a billion dollars of US aid until that was ha- until that happened. Mm-hmm. But what the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of the media took at face value was Joe Biden's reason for firing Shokin, and that was he said he was corrupt and he was not investigating Burisma. But that is um, just untrue on its face because there is evidence that Shokin, just before he was fired, had seized all the, the houses and plots of land and Rolls Royce belonging to the Burisma owner, Slochevsky, in Kiev. He had a warrant out for his arrest. And, and now Shokin has given uh, interviews to Ukrainian media in which he said he was planning to subpoena Hunter Biden. Right. And with with that that backdrop right now, uh, I think you must have said the name Joe Biden half a dozen times within that. I uh, established perfectly the predicate for some question about his involvement uh, in Ukraine and the purpose of his withholding a billion dollars. Uh, this may sound familiar to many people listening to us, Miranda, but that is precisely the reason uh, the pretext for the Democrats to impeach President Donald Trump because he was threatening to withhold information on, uh, uh, excuse me, military aid unless he got an investigation and information from Zelensky on that phone call. Uh, I think it was in July 25th of uh, 2019. Uh, It's it's a, a difficult time for Americans because they can't trust their media. They can't trust their government. And by the way, we can go back to uh, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, September of 2020, uh, testifying before Congress and warning everybody about what he called the drumbeat, the drumbeat of Russian disinformation. That was to prepare the battleground for, for the Russian disinformation, disinformation. And it, it is, uh, and then what followed, of course, was the 50 uh, veterans, 51 veterans of this, of the intelligence community, uh, yeah. you know, and then that was the shield for uh, Joe Biden in the last debate of 2020. Exactly. I mean, that, that was really the, one of the most disturbing and um, upsetting part of this was that 
you know, we we sort of expected that the rest of the media would not treat that story um, about Hunter Biden's laptop seriously because they were all in the tank for Joe Biden. So that was really not such a surprise. What obviously was surprising was when big tech um, suppressed it, but they probably couldn't have gotten away with it for um, the full three weeks before the election, except that the uh, 51 former intelligence uh, bosses, people like John Brennan and James Clapper and Michael Hayden and Leon Panetta, uh, wrote that letter. And, you know, they claimed in that letter that, in their expert opinion, the laptop and therefore our reporting had all the earmarks, I think they called it, of Russian disinformation. Uh, They had a couple of weasel words further down, which they're now using to justify the letter because not one of them that we've contacted has uh, rescinded their support for that letter or expressed any chagrin about having having lied. Um, But uh, they, they, they... they used all the authority of their former office, abused that authority and the prestige of the history of, you know, the CIA uh, and the NSA and all those prestigious institutions to um, help Joe Biden out of a bind. And he was in a great bind. And you could just uh, imagine behind the scenes the panic. Uh, At the time, if you remember, Joe Biden went to ground He just went into his basement and did not come out. No one could get to him. They weren't answering questions. His media people were in a spin. They were telling one thing to one outlet and another thing to another. They were saying, oh, maybe there was a meeting with this Burisma guy uh, that, that wasn't on his official diary, but it would have only been in passing and he doesn't remember it. It They were at panic stations and this letter was his get out of jail free card and he used it. With uh, as if he'd really memorized uh, the the points around it, he said, "You know, these were these uh, intel the intelligence community, and they deemed that this laptop is Russian disinformation." He knew exactly what he was saying, even though he was foggy on everything else. This was the most important point he made, and it worked for him because uh, no more questions were asked, and basically Donald Trump was shut down. He was he was shut down. But it's important, I think, for for us all, everyone listening to this show, to understand completely what happened. It was a coordinated, orchestrated effort mm-hmm. among the deep state, the Democratic Party, their candidates, the DNC, and Hillary Clinton, and this this ruse, this subterfuge, uh, Russian disinformation was the weapon of choice for the Democrats, the deep state, and the corporate media from 2015 right through to this very day, because there are news outlets that use national security still as a reason to withhold a full-throated denunciation of the corruption in our government, our news organizations and media, and by the way, I also entertainment media, it reached into entertainment media as well mm. and intentionally and uh, so and uh, and and across uh, our, our political system. Uh, it was a horrible and ugly day, uh, October 14th, because of what descended. There is no reason it should have been October uh, 14th, by the way, of 2020. 
it should have it should have broken in yes. October of 2019. Don't you agree? Well, December of 2019, anyway, when the the, uh, the FBI got hold of the laptop. I mean, there's no excuse for them uh, not to have seen uh, that that evidence and seen that it was, um, you know, relevant to the impeachment. And uh, I mean, it's just a pity. I think you know it, it goes to the sort of honesty of John Paul Mac Isaac and the fact that he wasn't yep. um, some sort of partisan stooge because. Um, you know, if he just he gave it to the FBI, thought that they would do the right thing, and it was only in the end of August that he actually of the following year, so eight months later, nine months later almost, um, that he uh, called Rudy Giuliani's lawyer and uh, and passed on that information. So you know, he was an honest guy, very patriotic, trusted the FBI, um, but then came to realise that nothing was being done that that. Uh, the president was being impeached anyway, and that all the information that he'd found that would have exonerated him, um, or at least explained why the president was so interested in um, getting to the bottom of the Biden corruption in Ukraine, um, none of that had had been used. And we're told, uh, we saw there was an FBI, the guy who was the head of their cyber division, was interviewed in Congress the other day, um, and I think Matt Gates uh, was the congressman who who really grilled him and said, "Where is Hunter Biden's laptop?" And the guy was looked as if he was insulted to be asked such a question. Yep. Uh, and uh, he said, "We don't know. I have no idea where it is." You know, so that's well, they, really not good enough. It's not good enough, and unless the Republicans take control. And I'm not talking about the rhinos. I'm talking about the real Republicans. Yeah. Uh, if they take control and the conservatives of the house, there is a chance, but, uh, I think I have got to be honest with everyone about this. I think it's the slimmest of chances. Frankly, it exists. It's a possibility, but it's not a probability in Washington, DC because the corruption, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is uh, endless. It's pervasive. It is deep. Uh, it is uh, it's evil incarnate. Uh, it uh, infests every single institution in our government uh, and in our uh, in our political system. Uh, do you think I'm exaggerating? Uh, I don't, but I don't think it's all uh, encompassing. I think there are um, still very good people there, and I think where, we can where? take some heart. Well, where are they, Miranda? It, well, it, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware appears to be doing a thorough and independent investigation. I mean, let's see, but this is what I hear, okay. uh, and they are following all the evidence where it leads, no matter where it leads. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously the boss of the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, is uh, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland. His boss is Joe Biden. But uh, I think Merrick Garland was burned by that um, just terrible incident where the FBI was sicked onto mums and dads at school board meetings. Um, seems from his questioning that he'd been kept in the dark on that. Maybe that was plausible deniability. <laughs> Maybe that was, you know, his 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 underlings keeping him in the dark. You know, there are some real activists in the Attorney General's office, as Bill Barr would say. Um, but 
uh, he he needs to worry about his own reputation. You know, this is a man who had designs on being a Supreme Court justice. So he doesn't want to go down with the sinking ship um, in history of the Biden administration. And so I su- suspect that he will just uh, allow the investigation to take its course as it should. And um, I think that, you know, knowing what material there is, not just on the laptop, but in all of uh, Tony Bobulinski's devices that he also handed over to the FBI and which are available to that grand jury, uh, and also all the material, uh, the, the money trail that has been uncovered so expertly and bravely, really against all sorts of um, defamation of them, Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson, um, the two Republican senators who alone have been uh, running this investigation into Hunter Biden and the corruption that went on in Burisma and elsewhere, the bribery, the millions of dollars they've tracked through Treasury Department uh, reports uh, that have come from China and Russia and elsewhere into uh, Biden bank accounts and the bank accounts of uh, their their business partners. And they were themselves um, disgustingly uh, vilified by the Democrats, by the likes of Adam Schiff, as um, as Russian disinformation merchants, agents of the Kremlin, uh, Mitt Romney, and Rob Portman, two Republican senators on the committee with Ron Johnson, refused to uh, allow him to subpoena certain people, uh, including Hunter Biden, including a, a Ukrainian witness who would have been very useful, um, and just succumbed to or pretended to believe or believed the the defamation by the Democrats about Russian disinformation. So, you know, the Republicans really have themselves to blame. When they had power, they did not do the proper due diligence that was needed on Joe Biden and they did not follow through on this corruption scandal. And only two senators really have been valiant in this. And uh, I hope Ron Johnson uh, has no trouble uh, winning re-election. Yeah, I, I agree with you about Ron Johnson. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, frankly, there's even a, an ember or two flaring uh, in, in Ted Cruz's uh, heart, it seems, uh, and I hope that continues. Uh, we also see a lot of opportunists, uh, opportunists stepping forward, as you yeah. might expect in this moment, on the part of Republicans. But uh, I, I want to go back to the, to the Delaware U.S. attorney uh, and, and point out something, I, I, and I really do think it's material and important that grand jury has been going for four years four years uh now i don't understand something and i'm not a lawyer and uh and but i am a, a fairly imaginative fellow from time to time and i do get lucky when i think four years for an investigation on national security areas uh involved on uh, the uppermost uh, political uh, governmental offices of this country. Don't you think somebody should light a fire? And, 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 and Merrick Garland, uh, you make him sound like a choir board, Miranda. This man uh, consented to treating uh, uh, outraged parents, defending their children, and insisting that the school system listen to them as domestic terrorists. And if he did not know that, 
uh, if there was no antecedent, he certainly had a responsibility to hold accountable. I have not heard of a single person in the Justice Department being fired. I haven't heard of a single one. And Merrick Garland instead seems like he is definitely part of the problem, not the solution, at least to me. Yes, I do agree with you. But but what I will say is, yes, that was a, an appalling um, episode and reflected extremely badly on him. But what I will say is that uh, he, you know, self-preservation wins over everything. And uh, I think that he will have been, he's, he was badly burned by that. His reputation took an enormous hit and, and that will be a stain on him forever. And I don't think he has the appetite to have any more stains on his reputation. Um, you know, I, I, I believe he would resign rather than be party to uh, crushing um, what the uh, investigation in Delaware is finding and stopping them from making indictments if that's what they're going to do. Um, so, I, look, until I hear otherwise, I'm not going to be overly cynical. I, I just see that this, uh, you're right, they've been investigating Hunter since 2018, um, but COVID came in the middle and it's the same as, as John Durham. I'm still willing to, um, you know, expect that John Durham will come out at the end with some useful um, information yep. for us and some indictments um, I think that, are, that, that are needed. But COVID really stopped them subpoenaing people, stopped the grand jury from convening. Mm. Uh, it really was, um, you know, a, a real upset and, and delayed everything. Yeah, I just want the American people, and they. I, and by the way, I love the way you girded yourself against this uh, uh, cynicism that has an unknown source in your statement. I had the feeling it was mine, so, I, so I'm going to repay the favor and say I, I'm girding myself against uh, a wide-eyed uh, Pollyanna optimism, uh, and uh, we'll call it even on the day. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, fair and, enough. I do want to turn to uh, your your most recent uh, reporting, and uh, because I think it is as usual, uh, right up to Miranda Devine standards, uh, the idea that this suspect in the subway uh, shooting and terrorist act. Uh, uh, your thoughts on that, uh, I think, are are exactly right on. Uh, the, <laughs> the the this this act was committed at what eight thirty in the morning, right? This mm. uh, this incident. Uh, I didn't know the, the description of the man. I just knew he was about five foot five. Uh, he had uh, uh, you know a gas mask on, you know, which sort of makes it tough. Without any other features being broadcast by the media, they did. I, it was to me, it was just they didn't really want to catch this guy because there was being an incredible sensitivity about how helpful it would be to know: was he white? Was he Hispanic? Was he black? Was he Asian? That would be a winnowing set of characteristics. None sure. Well, well, look, the New York Post, I have to say, in our defense, did write that he was a black man. Um, so uh, I'm not sure how long that. Good on that, you. That uh, silence. I mean, that could be the cops being politically correct. Uh, you know, I wouldn't well, I, put it past them. Um, well, I wouldn't you know, either. Yeah, and that's to the detriment of our safety again. Uh, but you know, the 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 whole PC woke um, attitude has you know permeated everything, including the FBI. And so, uh, I, I 
back in 2016, the FBI issued a report um, in which they identified a, a new form of domestic terrorism that they thought was a threat, and they called it black identity extremism. Mm. And it stemmed from, uh, you know, these BLM uh, you know, protests, riots, whatever. Um, and the the previous year, the massacre of those Dallas police officers, six killed, uh, numerous others injured um, by a, a, a black nationalist, a follower of Nation of Islam. So um, this is really rancid, anti-white uh, racism. Um, it is the very definition of hate speech. And, um, I, you know, the FBI was just following the evidence and, I guess, gearing up to start tackling this new form of domestic terrorism. And what happened? As soon as their report came out, there was an immediate backlash from the media. Uh, they, were, they were sneered at. They were condemned as racist. You had, um, you know, legal activists coming out and saying this is like the worst of the, you know, the Hoover days and targeting black people. And, uh, you know, they they... They just became, they were kowtowed by this. Within months, they'd stopped using the term. Um, by uh, in 2019, you had Christopher Wray appearing before Congress saying, no, they, they don't use that term, and that really white supremacy uh, was a big factor in domestic uh, terrorism. And there you go. And then you, you, you go right up until January 6th, where the president, Nancy Pelosi, the FBI, all in, um, you know, lockstep are talking about um, these Trump supporters and some of them obviously did the wrong thing and shouldn't have broken in, et cetera. No one's defending anybody who broke the law. But they were not white supremacists at all. I mean, it was ridiculous. It had nothing to do with race. It was about their feel feeling that the election had been stolen and they wanted to stop that happening. And so... Um, nothing to do with white supremacy. It's been completely the narrative has now been changed that they're domestic terrorists and white supremacists. And meanwhile, just a couple of months after that January 6 riot, what happens? <clears throat> you get another black nationalist Nation of Islam guy slams his car into two Capitol Police officers outside the Capitol, killing one. And that story is just memory hold immediately because it is it runs counter to the narrative. And, you know, we've had other incidents where um, the black nationalists have come out and committed acts of domestic terrorism, and that leads us to Tuesday's rampage on the subway. This guy from, you know, I mean, he's obviously got a screw loose, uh, as I guess they all do, but uh, his outpourings on social media are all about... Uh, you know, black nationalism, uh, nation of Islam. He even has an image of that cop killer from Dallas, Mika Johnson, on his social media. I mean, Black Panthers, Black Liberation Army, Army BLM. Uh, he talks constantly about a looming race war. Uh, he's um, vicious uh, and hate-filled about white people. Um, he talks about black people who get on with white people as being, you know, somehow at fault as well. Um, he's He cries at one point when he shows a, a, an image of Judge Ketanji Brown, who'd just been named to the Supreme Court, um, and, and showed that she was married to a white man who he called the enemy. I mean, he's crying because she married a white man. So this guy is rancidly racist. And uh, yet, 
um, you know, that that sort of ideology the FBI has deemed doesn't exist. Amazing. Amazing. And what you could really call BIE really is, is black supremacy. Uh, exactly. And uh, and the, the fact that this language is so important to uh, certain interested groups, uh, vested interests of all sorts, uh, control the language, you control the mind, uh, control the language, and you control the debate. And that's exactly what the left is so, uh, the Marxist left is particularly gifted in doing. And mm-hmm. it is one of the of the many clumsy areas for, for, for Republicans and conservatives, it's language uh, and their inattention to it when it matters most. And that is in communicating to the American voting public. Uh, I, I want to say to you is always, Miranda, it is terrific talking with you, always uh, educational, informative and entertaining uh, for all of us, uh, I get to, I get to be entertained and informed and educated too. Uh, and, uh, we, we always love the opportunity to talk with you. You get the concluding thoughts as always on this broadcast, our guests with the last word. Well, thanks Lou. You're so kind and, and generous always. And I love coming on your show. Um, I, I want to leave with a, a bit of a Pollyanna, um, upbeat note. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> And that is based in evidence, though, and that is uh, look at the latest Quinnipiac poll uh, on Joe Biden and you see a nation that is rapidly being red-pilled. His disapproval uh, level is just through the roof. Uh, I think, you know, overall it's 54%. Um, But when you look, uh, his approval level's down at 33%, but when you look at independents, 26%, you look at Hispanics, 26%. 26%. And young people, 18 to 34, he's down at 21%. So that tells you that, that people are not buying the lies that are spewed daily from Joe Biden, from his White House, and from the media that has been gaslighting them uh, for, you know, for, for eight years at least. Um, so uh, let's hope that that's the beginning of a new dawn, that people are less likely to believe the lies and more likely to get out and vote. And it just puts the pressure on the Republicans to clean up their act and make sure that the elections are fair and free and that when they get into office, they actually bring people to account for all the things that they've done wrong, chiefly, uh, you know, Biden uh, opening the border to millions of illegal migrants, that has to be remedied. People have to be punished for that. And uh, secondly, they have to look into, have investigations into the laptop. I mean, it's not just the laptop, obviously, it's the Bobolinsky stuff as well. Um, they have to investigate the Biden influence peddling scheme without fear or favour, because he's not the only person in Washington who's been influence peddling and and uh, making money out of bribery and corruption. So it's also Republicans in the, in the picture. So they have to be willing, uh, good, honest Republicans with integrity, to even target their own side. Well, well said, and I, uh, I accede uh, to your optimism on, on that, because, <laughs> because, as they say, uh, numbers don't lie. And, and to see these numbers this low for Biden is indeed encouraging. Miranda Devine, uh, New York Post, greatest uh, 
uh, greatest columnist, uh, in my opinion, in the country. And, uh, and I really thank you. Thanks. You too, Lou. And happy Easter. Happy Easter. The New York Post's Miranda Devine, great journalist, great American. And I want to point out, Steve Bannon advised President Trump to start spending big to assure the candidates that the president had endorsed win in the primaries. And today it appears that Mr. Trump is following Steve's counsel and has started to pour cash into the Georgia Republican gubernatorial primary. It's Trump's Save America PAC's initial spend, an injection of half a million dollars into the Georgia race between Trump-endorsed David Perdue and Governor Brian Kemp. Thanks for being with us today. And tomorrow, I talk with Luke Rosiak, author of Race to the Bottom, uncovering the secret forces destroying American public education. You don't want to miss it. Till then, God bless you. And God bless America. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.